It's the lead department that I said poopy. Hey, birthday, see you. Hey, birthday, see you. Hey, birthday, poopy. Was that 20 seconds? One more time. Edit the part of poo poo. <laughs> Hi everyone, welcome to this special COVID-19 series of In Good Health. I'm Dr. Sandro. And I'm Dewey Cook. In this episode, we're going to cover things like social distancing, whether you can visit your friends or your grandparents, whether now's the time to be going outside or hosting a dinner party. We'll cover things like hand washing. We'll talk to a physio about how to get fit and how to stay healthy, but inside and even in isolation. We're going to take you through some tasty, healthy meal ideas, things that you can cook with what's available and what's in season. And we'll finish with five things we all need to be doing today to help slow the spread of COVID-19. So Sandra, how have you been? How, how's the week been? Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a strange week, a lot of change. As an organisation, we're all working from home. So 80 staff have sort of finding their feet with a home office. You know, we've been working really hard to try and keep the lights on and continue to support communities across Victoria, the partners that we work with, the partners that we fund and the people that we serve and trying to promote good health in all Victorians. But I suppose what really is heavy on my mind this week is the impact that this whole thing's having on other people. And I'm just so conscious that it's it's such a tough week for so many. Families are at home, you know, parents are trying to juggle work and kids and other responsibilities. I'm conscious that a lot of people are facing an uncertain future Job-wise, a lot of people are losing their jobs. People mm. are worried about how they're going to pay the bills and pay for food next week. And mm. I think that for me is is a big worry. I think the most vulnerable in Victoria will also be those that probably have the least capacity to or the least financial ability to absorb those shocks and those challenges. I think this is going to be a really, really tough week, an uncertain week, a scary week for, for a lot of people across Victoria. Mm. What about you? Well... <laughs> I am, you know, you like you, I am. I'm working from home. Yeah. I'm in my basement where I oh seem to be spending a lot of time at the moment because <laughs> it's the only place where I can go to to get some quiet. But before I sat down to talk to you on the phone, as we're now doing because we can't do this face-to-face anymore, I had to clear away piles of Lego and a train set and everything else. You heard my, my son at the beginning of this. That's my little six-year-old yeah. and that was him washing his hands must be tough being at home i mean on one hand it's it's amazing to be able to spend so much time with your kids but also to balance everything to try and get work done as well as give your kids attention absolutely i mean if you're schooling kids as well i'm finding it incredibly stressful but you're right it is really lovely at the same time to have that time and trying to be conscious as well of not making this a time that's stressful for them so Mm. you know he has internalized that happy birthday two times over he has to do it three times over because he sings really quickly uh washing of his hands with gusto and that's kind of fun for him but we know that that's actually a really important thing that we can all be doing right is yeah taking hygiene really seriously so Sandra you know you're a doctor and a public health specialist like what is the most important thing that we can all be doing right now I mean without a doubt the most important thing at the moment is taking the efforts to slow the spread of the virus itself and this is what we've all been talking about as physical or social distancing as well as then 
quarantining or isolating when we need to. And they're quite different. People often confuse the two, but social distancing is really about limiting the opportunity for the virus to spread from one person to another. Every time you come in close proximity with another person, you introduce the opportunity for the virus to pass from you, if you have it, to another person or from them to you. And we know that the more this virus passes, the quicker it passes from person to person, the more people are infected, the greater burden it's going to put on our health system and the more people will have to go without care if hospitals become overwhelmed. And based on the experience from other countries, this will lead to more deaths. Mm. So social distancing is extremely, extremely important and it's all about slowing the spread of the virus enough to help our health system cope to be able to treat everyone even when they become unwell. So can you give me like a social distancing primer? Like should everyone be doing it or only certain people so should everyone, be doing it? Everyone should be, everyone should be doing physical or social distancing. We call it physical distancing because people shouldn't be distancing socially from other people. They can still talk to people. They can still be on Skype. They can still connect and stay in touch. In fact, they should be, but they shouldn't physically be coming in contact with too many other people. Really what it looks like is maintaining distance. So apart from the people you live with every day, apart from your direct family members, not coming in close contact, not hugging, touching, or really coming closer than one and a half metres from any other person outside of your house, trying to limit the amount of time you're spending outside of your house, and also washing your hands after you return home and not touching your face while you're out and about making sure that we're not we're not unnecessarily going to places of gatherings so shopping centers or supermarkets or other things unless we absolutely need to go and certainly not doing things like hosting dinner parties or having barbecues or catching up with extended families or going to the cinemas mm. again it's about it's about slowing down the spread of the virus and and it's critical to saving lives you know there's obviously lots of talk about this on the internet and the way some people have thought to describe it, which I found quite helpful, is that this is an act of love, that it's not a sign of not wanting to look after people. Mm. It's actually a way that we care for each other. Is that a way to approach it if people are struggling to get their heads around it? I think that's really important. Ultimately, you know, every interaction we have with someone else, there is a possibility that one of you could be spreading the virus to the other person. And so by not coming in close contact, by maintaining physical distancing from others and by taking the measures that we're being asked to take, you could be saving that other person's life. The other thing to keep in mind is that this virus can live in our bodies. We can be infected with the virus but not show any symptoms, not have a sore throat, not have a fever, not have a cough for 5 to 14 days after becoming infected. So what that means is that you could feel completely well and be walking around and still have the virus and potentially infect other people. And this just makes it, again, even more important that even if you feel well, even if you don't think that you need to, you need to be always maintaining the physical distancing measures. What you described is like, a, to me, it sounds like a very quiet life. Like, can I go to the park with my kids? Can we go for a run together? What can we do, Sandro, at this time? So in general, what's being advised at the moment is unless you absolutely need to leave the house, it's better not to. Look, that said, it's important that people maintain their physical and mental health. And so currently in Victoria, you can still go for a walk, you can still go to the park, you can still take the dog for a run, you can still go for a drive, but you need to maintain the same social distancing measures. 
So you need to be maintaining one and a half metres always from you and anyone else on, you know, during the run that you don't live with in your house already. Obviously, it's impossible to social distance from your kids or from your partner, but from anyone else, if you're going for a run, you're going for a walk, you're going to the park, you need to main, make sure that you and your family maintain distance from others, particularly older people, but really anyone. You don't know if individuals in the community could have a chronic disease, which places them at higher risk from the virus if they do get it. In terms of going for a drive, same thing. If it's the family all together, well, you've been in the house already. So, you know, social distancing in the car doesn't make a lot of sense. But if you're going with others in the car, you need to reduce the number of people in the car, try and maintain distance, wash your hands before and after taking the trip. And if it is a stranger or someone who you don't live with, probably limit the time because in actual fact, you are confined in a small space. Uh, and so you'd be wanting to limit that to sort of less than 15 minutes or so. Okay. So it sounds like social distancing or physical distancing, as you've also described it, is just kind of the basic fundamental protocol. To put it very clearly, I can't sort of stress it enough. Social distancing will save lives. It's what has saved lives in other countries. It's what has led countries to see small disasters as opposed to huge pandemic disasters. I mean, this is the single best thing, the single most important thing that we can all be doing. And then the other thing is isolation or quarantine. And this is really for people who either have COVID-19, have been in close contact with a confirmed case of COVID-19, or have recently returned from overseas. And these individuals need to stay home for 14 days to prevent the possible spread of the virus to other people. And it really doesn't matter if the individual feels well or not. They can feel perfectly fine. They still have to self-isolate for 14 days. They can have the infection and stay without symptoms, or they can have the infection and not find symptoms or not have symptoms for five, 10, or even 14 mm. days after they get back. Isolation means not going into public spaces, not going to work, not going to school, no shopping centers, no childcare, no university, and not even the supermarket. You need to ask someone else to get food for you and other necessaries and leave them outside your front door. And you certainly can't have visitors into your home, only people who you usually live with who would be in close proximity to you on a, on a regular basis. And you need to self-isolate for at least 14 days after you become well again. But the best thing to do is to speak to a doctor or to call the COVID hotline if you're in this situation. So isolation is quite a serious set of circumstances to be in. Um, and as you described, it's only um, at the moment in the case of exposure to the virus or somebody with the virus, if you've returned from overseas and you're in quarantine and if you are yourself exhibiting symptoms. Is that correct? Yeah, so you go into isolation if you have COVID-19, if you've been in close contact with a person who is confirmed to have had it, or if you've recently or if you've just arrived back from overseas. That's right. Mm -hmm. Can you then talk to me about something that's kind of a few steps even at the very beginning of all this? It's I mean, like much more basic. It's soap. We've seen hand sanitizer flying off the shelves and people are freaking out that they can't get the alcohol wipes that they need. But I've been hearing that actually like soap itself can be one of our best protections. Is that right? Yeah, that's absolutely right. And in fact, soap and water is probably more effective than the alcohol and the hand sanitizers that everyone's trying to get at the moment from the supermarket or the chemist. Soap and water, if it's done properly and you wash your hands thoroughly, 
you know, for about 20 seconds. And that's where singing the song comes in. If you wash your hands properly, soap and water is the most effective way of cleaning your hands. And, and what it does is it actually breaks down the outer membrane of the virus and neutralizes the virus. But in addition to that, it actually physically cleans your hands. So it takes the dirt and all the things that the virus can be sitting in or around off your hands, which is one thing that alcohol wipe, wipes and alcohol rubs won't do. Mm. Does it have to be special soap, like antibacterial soap? Can it be? No, just normal soap. So, you know, whoever invented soap hundreds of years ago by accidentally getting fat and mixing it together with a whole bunch of other things was an absolute genius <laughs> and, 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 and actually just normal soap and water. So what I do is I have a bar of soap next to each of the sinks in my home now mm -hmm. and I just wash my hands thoroughly a couple of times a day. It's easy, it's simple, it's cheap. And it's abundant. It's available. You can go out and get it easily tomorrow. So you're doing that even though you are predominantly at home now. Yeah. I mean, one of the big challenges is that none of this is habit for us. You know, I find myself touching my face or scratching my eyes or touching surfaces everywhere. So what I try to do is, you know, I use the same approach at home that I'm going to need to use when I'm out. So I try not to touch my face at home. I try not to touch too many surfaces. I try to be careful and conscious of what door handles I touch. In particular, I wash my hands regularly because if I am touching the door handle at the front door and then come back, I'll just wash my hands to be safe. Then when I go out and I'm traveling around outside, I've already started to develop these habits of washing my hands regularly. So, Davey, what questions have you got? What would be helpful for you to know? Well, look, the one that we're personally grappling with as a family is can our kids see their grandparents? Um, mm. I suspect I know the answer, but I'd love, I'd love to know <laughs> your thoughts. Yeah, look, old, older people and people with chronic diseases like diabetes, heart disease, even high blood pressure are all at greater risk from the virus and greater risk if they get the virus. So it's really best for your kids not to be seeing your parents, their grandparents at the moment. My grand's 97. My parents are in their 70s. Uh, they've all decided to isolate from the young ones in our family and also isolate from my partner and I because we're both working in frontline services or out and about for work. So minimizing the contact physically, but then being mindful that for your parents' mental health and also for the mental health and the relationships of your kids scheduling regular FaceTime calls, regular Skype calls so that they can stay in contact and get that same positive interaction. And my 97-year-old my nan, we've given her, we've just upgraded her iPad. <laughs> so she's on uh, not the latest but a pretty good one. That's amazing. Um, and she knows how to yeah, work it? Oh, yeah. She, so when I introduced her to, her to Instagram, she was like, oh, my gosh, it's like a, it's like a photo album that never ends. <laughs> That's I was like, That's every so grandparent's true. dream. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, so, so she's on Instagram. We dubbed her Instagram when yeah. she first got online. Um, and yeah, and she does FaceTime with my nieces regularly, with my brother and his new baby. And even I'll call her uh, once or twice a day and just check in on her. And that way she's staying in regular contact. The only person who's actually physically in contact with her is my mum, who's also in isolation. And How's your mum going that, being in isolation from the grandkids? Yeah, look, it is difficult. My parents miss their grandchildren, my nieces, and particularly we've got a three-month-old, so they'd love to be seeing more of Miller. But at the end of the day, they know that, you know, things will come back to a sense of normality uh, at some stage. And in the meantime, 
you know, a few months of doing the right thing for many decades more of love and family together uh, is well worth the investment. And I think that's the way they see it. But also, you know, they realise that by putting themselves at risk and by not following uh, measures like isolation or physical distancing, it's not just putting them at risk themselves. They're also putting others at risk and people like my 97-year-old grandma. Yeah, look, I, uh, you've confirmed what I think we have to do. And in fact, we've been having those conversations with both my mum and my partner's mum. But it is pretty heartbreaking. One of my kids penned this forlorn, <laughs> I really, really, really miss you card to to oh. one of his grandparents just because he missed out on one yeah. of his regular days, let alone months potentially of not being able to see them physically and there is something about that physical touch for little kids that I think is really important but you know you're right as well on the other hand that this is just what you have to do to be able to have those cuddles perhaps and kisses in the future to preserve yeah um, preserve that for the time to come so what else is on your mind at the moment well what about seeing your friends? You know, for some people, friends are their family. Friends are the most important people in their lives that they share their lives with. Can can you have your closest friends over, say, for dinner or for a catch-up of some kind? Yeah. I mean, look, while it's really important that we all stay connected to our friends and have regular phone calls and you and I have been having some Skype lunch dates and, you know, at certain hour maybe have a coffee catch-up in a group on Zoom or something – now's not the time to be having dinner parties, unfortunately. Mm. We recently saw here in Australia uh, an outbreak of COVID-19 following a dinner party. One person went to the dinner party with the virus and a number of people ended up with the virus just a few days later. And it's things like this that are going to spread it quicker, putting our health system under strain and putting lives at risk. So we can have dinner parties in a month or two when things settle down and life goes back to normal now's not the time to be having friends over for dinner, catching up at the pub for drinks, going for a big group gathering, catching up with extended family. You know, unfortunately, those things in a physical form are going to have to wait and instead we'll need to find digital ways to do it. Mm. And I think it goes back then again to that idea that we discussed earlier that that this is all an act of love. We're doing this because we care and we're doing it because we want to protect the people that we love in our lives as well as the people that are in the hospitals who are doing the work to save lives, right? Yeah. Um, Give them the best chance to do their jobs properly so that they don't get inundated by cases that could have been prevented. And it is an act of love. By taking it seriously, by doing your part, you're going to protect families across our entire community, but you're also going to protect your own family. And and so in that way, even though you're, you're taking physical distance from the people around you, it is really the kind of ultimate act of love. And I think in future episodes, we're probably going to revisit this idea of what you can do to maintain and create, and in some cases, maybe reignite some of those connections. We'll look at some of the technology that you can use or some ideas for how we can still be together when we have to be apart. Yeah. And so with this physical distance concept, you know, we've just been thinking about how important it is to maintain those social connections. But of course, it's also really important to somehow figure out a way to stay active or stay healthy so how do you think we should go about doing that yeah even though we're going to be spending more time inside and away from other people it's still super important for our mental and physical health to stay active and to keep moving so what i thought is why don't we ask rowan a good buddy of mine who's a physiotherapist to give us some exercises we can do at home with minimum equipment easily simply and safely 
It's a great idea. Here's one we prepared earlier. Hi, I'm Rowan Singleton. I'm a physiotherapist from Northgate in Melbourne. I work in a, in a very general private practice. Like a lot of physios, I, I grew up obsessed with sport and um, that really led me to a passion for movement. I'm pretty obsessed with cricket, but um, 80% of the time I spend working with everyday people, trying to help them move and feel better. So I, I often use the analogy that balanced exercise routine is, is quite similar to a, to a balanced diet. Our body loves, loves variety and it loves consistency when it comes to exercise and a conversation we will often have is around the four types of exercise which we can try to incorporate into our everyday routine. The first type is cardiovascular exercise. You can kind of break this up into into two main areas. You've got steady state cardio which is where you might go for a, for a jog or for a ride. You've got high intensity interval training which is a bit more bang for your buck, it's, it's shorter and quicker and you get spikes in your in your heart rate and that can be really good for a metabolic hit and for, for high fat burning and that's the type of exercise you can easily do in the in the comfort of your own of your own home. The other other three categories of exercise include uh, mobility and flexibility and this this is really important if you're spending a bit of time at the desk at home. If you can get into a good habit of, of spending five to ten minutes a day doing some stretches and some things like foam rolling and, and self-massage, that can be really great just to help iron out a few of the kinks. Strength training is a, the third type of exercise. That involves things where you're lifting and pushing and pulling. Usually if you can be doing that at least a couple of times a week, that's really helpful and helps keep us our body moving well. The fourth category is my favorite, which is play. And that's where you're playing a sport or you're doing an activity that involves coordination and unplanned multi-directional movement. A couple of great things you could do if you're spending some time at home would be things like dancing and, and catching and throwing and juggling, maybe some table tennis, hitting some golf balls in the backyard. I think that, that fourth category is a really, really important part of a, of a well-rounded exercise routine. Well, I can't wait to try some of that stuff that Rowan's laid out. I'm not sure when I'm going to be able to do it amongst all the millions of children I've got running around me, but I'm determined to find the time. So one of the things, Dewi, that I think everyone's going to be struggling with at the moment, we've all seen the photos of the supermarket shelves that have been wiped clean and people are really worried that they're not going to be able to get access to fresh food and adequate food. Mm -hmm. And I just want to make the point, there is no risk of food running out in Australia. There's no shortage of food. Mm. So we produce about three times more food than we eat as a country. There is no chance of us running out. And particularly because it's the end of summer, fresh food, fresh fruit and veg is abundant at the moment. And it's mostly been the other foods, the processed foods, the packaged foods, dried foods, that have been running out in the first few weeks of the COVID situation. So I suppose my message for people at the moment is if you are home, use the opportunity to cook up something tasty based around the summer veg that we still have available. Be thinking about things like eggplants, zucchinis, cucumbers, capsicums are at their peak, chilies are at their peak, tomatoes are still uh, you know, super tasty. All of these things are in season. They are abundant still in the supermarkets and it's so great for cooking up things like a simple ratatouille, mm. you know, onion, a range of fresh veg, some bay leaf, olive oil, cook it up half an hour on its own or with pasta is amazing. I made a big pot of chili last night. It was a vegetarian chili. But again, loads of things like corn, eggplant, zucchini, even some frozen peas and it's like super tasty, lasts a few days. You can reheat it the next day with some rice or quinoa. Frittatas are also really good. There are no shortage of eggs. 
So using whatever you have in the fridge, you can whip it up into a super tasty frittata. Just simply olive oil into the pan, fry up whatever you've got, cover it in two eggs per person with a little bit of milk, salt and pepper. Cook it half in the pan and then half under the grill until it's crispy and delicious. And if you want something with a bit extra flavor, add some cheese just before you put it under the grill. These are all great simple recipes that people can be trying at home and enjoying the summer veg that's currently available and super abundant still in our supermarkets. I should also say that even if we go to full European-style, UK-style lockdown, we will still be able to get to the shops. And for those who can't get to the shops, for those who are at greatest risk or don't have adequate mobility, then look out for your neighbours. Ask your neighbours, and if your neighbours are like that, reach out and offer to go to the shops for them. Do their shopping when you do yours. It means less people at the supermarket. And just leave it on their doorstep outside their door so that everyone in our community over the next couple of weeks has fresh, healthy food and adequate food to keep them healthy. Sandra, though, if you could just recap for everybody listening the five most important things that they should take away from this, what should they be? Yeah, look, we're going to cover a lot in the weeks ahead, but I think straight away people really need to be thinking about five key things in addition to minimising unnecessary trips outside their house. The first is to wash our hands properly and often, and we've learned a bit about that today. Secondly, if you are coughing or sneezing, do it into a fresh tissue and throw it away or into your elbow just so that you're not spreading those droplets onto surfaces or putting others in danger. If you feel unwell at all, make sure you stay home completely. And if you feel really unwell or you're worried you might have COVID, call the hotline. Isolate if you've been overseas, even if you feel okay, or if you're at greater health risk like older people or people with chronic disease. And finally, actually do the physical distancing. Do the things that we're talking about. They can and will make a massive difference, not just to your life and the lives of those around you, but the lives of people right across the country. This really is a matter of life and death. So avoid crowds, keep one and a half metres from others, don't shake hands or touch others, and remember, please look after yourself. Well, that's it for now. Things are changing really quickly, but we are extremely keen to hear your questions and any thoughts you might have about what you want us to cover. And the best way to do that is to hit up Sandro on Twitter and Instagram. Yep, at Sandro DeMeo. And use the hashtag in good health. At the moment, we're planning to talk in our next episode about things like how you can talk to kids about coronavirus. Um, We're going to go a little bit deeper on what flattening the curve means. Yeah, and in the meantime, if you're worried you might have coronavirus or have come in contact with the virus, you can call the coronavirus hotline or turn to a reputable source of information. And ultimately, please take care. And if you need urgent medical advice, call your doctor. This special COVID-19 series of In Good Health is produced by me, Dewi Cook, and edited by the fabulous Nick King. Thanks to Rowan Singleton from Back in Motion Northcote for his help. Next episode, Rowan will be back with some workouts for you to do from the safety of your own home, and mindfulness coach Hayley McKenzie will also be sharing some of her wisdom, so stay tuned for them. For more information on what we've talked about in this episode, check out our show notes, and if you like us, please consider leaving us a review wherever you get your podcasts. See you soon.